You know it's time to do it major. Here's to the hustlers, the movers and shakers. Get up on your grind. Don't let the haters get ya. I know that you got a vision. Now it's time to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Giving you the tools, helping you to grow. Level up, time to shine like you never did before. Let them know. More than a podcast, it's a mindset. You can do anything, you just gotta keep grinding. Let's go. The Entrepreneur Adventure. Hey, the entrepreneur adventure. You ready? I think you have to be crystal clear on exactly what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Um, we talk all the time about you cannot be great at a lot of things. You, If you want to be great at something, you got to figure out what those few things are and then be as, re- as, as great as you can possibly be in those areas. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we give you the tools to build a stronger vision than ever before. As we continue our conversation on entrepreneurship, let us not forget the nonprofits and organizations who are striving to make a better tomorrow for each of us. Please welcome our guest for today, founder and lead pastor of our very own Athens Church, Mr. Sean C., as he shares the story of how he was able to rally a large group of people around a compelling vision to change the lives of the people in our very own community. And with that, I'll turn it over to our host, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. Hey friends, welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure. I am super excited today. Uh, we have a guest that's just going to uh, really take over the show and uh, make Josh and I look uh, inadequate from a host and co-host standpoint. Uh, he, he speaks uh, professionally he has grown a tremendous uh, following in church. Uh, welcome, Sean C., lead pastor of Athens Church. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast, man. Man, it's such an honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It really is. Thank you. So a little quick story, Chad. I don't know if I've ever told you this before. but Uh-oh, this worries me when we start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good start for everybody, right? It's like, hey, let me tell you this story that no one's ever heard. Uh, <laughs> it was like 2003, 2004, maybe something like that. And I was at the Holiday Inn Express in downtown Athens. And I walked out. It's like, I don't know, maybe like 11 o'clock at night. And I see this guy sitting there, like, reading his Bible in a little, like, awning, carport type area, you know. And I recognized him. I never met him before. I recognized him because I'd seen him on video before. I used to go to North Point Community Church in Alpharetta. And I was like, this guy. I know this guy. This is Sean C. I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And we actually are, we are from the same college. I'm a Tacoa Falls college graduate like you are. And so I was, hey, what's going on? And I'm asking, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, it's me and my wife. We just kind of took a little, like, uh, just a little small vacation. I'm like, in my mind, I didn't say this out loud because I didn't know you really. But it's like, who, who comes to a small vacation from Alpharetta to Athens? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this makes no sense. And the next year, I think it was 2004. It might have been, yeah, it's 2004. Athens Church, Started in 2005. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. So, so it was a scouting trip. Was he a was here vacation as a, slash scouting. Yeah. He was in, a the, in the business world. We call that a write off. That's that's exactly. <laughs> and I didn't know who this guy was, so I wasn't going to let him in on the full story. That's why it was. You know, yeah. I was like, hey, I don't know. Maybe this guy. Maybe he's trying to start a church too. You know, and I don't want to <laughs> let him get ahead of me or whatever. So I was wearing a suit. So yeah, this, uh, this was pre your Adidas days, right? Yeah, this is before I was wearing. Uh, if Adidas you were dressed like that, so. I would have shared the whole story. He would have shared the gospel with me. He would have known. Would have been evangelist at all. <laughs> yeah, it would have been an evangelistic experience if he had dressed like that. He's like, I'm going to get this guy to the drug life right here, right now. <laughs> but Sean, so they kick us off. Again, you, you started a church that it, 
is extremely successful church in regards to a church plant that's been here, I guess, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years at this point. That's right. And from the standpoint of attendance to community impact, yeah. a great success story. But man, kick us off. How did this thing get started other than your spy mission to, you know, from Alpharetta to Athens in that, 2004? That was real. You're, you're one of the few people I interacted with during that. That's, that's a neat part of the story. So, yeah, I would say maybe how I got started, I'll just tell you just briefly part of my story. 50 years old, been married 28 years, got three kids, 21, 19, and 12. But my story is I grew up in Metro Atlanta, and I did not grow up in a church environment. So every now and then going to church, my parents were divorced, and I was really young. So I was a typical public school, rec sports, you know, normal kind of suburban kid, if you will, in that sense. Um, but it was really in college where I began a relationship with God, and God really changed my life because prior to that time, man, I was off the rails. I had been arrested multiple times, every stupid thing with girls and fights and, you know, all, all the crazy things that um, teenagers and college students uh, do. I, that was a well-worn path for me. And so when, you know, I began a relationship with God in college, it was it was really life-changing for me. Uh, but I didn't really know where to go because I just didn't feel like I, that church was for me. I just didn't feel like I was a church person. I had, in my mind, a category of what a church was, what a pastor was, what that kind of group of people was. I just didn't feel like I fit that mold, you know? I didn't like that kind of music. I didn't like to dress that way. You know, I felt like I was a bit more, you know, normal culturally, I guess, if you will. So anyway, fast forward, go to Tacoa Falls. When I'm at Tacoa Falls, end up meeting um, Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of North Point Community Church that you mentioned. Andy began to be a mentor in my life. And I ended up, uh, went away to grad school in, in Texas and uh, and then moved back to Atlanta. And then I started working for North Point. I was there for five years. And for me, I fell in love with a different kind of church. And their idea is something that's really atypical. And that is, it's trying to create a church that unchurched people would love to attend, right? So I'm trying to create something that people don't go to would enjoy attending. Because honestly, you know, you get into all the kind of biblical and theological reasons of that. But even just from a, you know, here we are with entrepreneurial podcast, even from a market share conversation, right? Like in Athens, Georgia, round numbers, you know, 200,000 people in the metropolitan area, right? Maybe, maybe, I'm going to be exaggerating, maybe 15,000 go to church somewhere on a regular basis, right? Maybe it's a little bit more than that. Say it's 20. I don't know. But that means a hundred something thousand don't. And so our idea was, what if we could create an opportunity for people to connect with God who don't normally think that church is their thing? And so that's really kind of what got us started. I kind of caught that vision, if you will, at North Point. And when I was here visiting in 2004, when you and I saw each other, that was what we were doing. We were visiting Athens, praying about, man, would this be a great spot for this? And literally we would just go out to eat and ask our server, like, hey, you know anything about churches in Athens? And it was awesome. It was just this random, awkward conversation. And literally, this happened to us probably five different times. The server would be like, um, yeah, I, I think there's a church in Athens somewhere. Yeah, there's probably one here. I think you'll be able to find one. It's like, oh, awesome. So probably not a huge part of your life, right, um, normally. And so that was actually very encouraging for us um, because – we didn't want to come somewhere where this was already happening. We wanted to come somewhere where this was new and fresh. So yeah, it's so interesting you're saying that too, Sean, because you think about like, so I got a theology degree mm-hmm. and I would have learned about quote unquote, Christians know this, except they're ministry type people, but there's this term, they say unreached people groups, mm-hmm. unreached people groups. Yeah. It's a Christian term, Christian yeah. college term. Like even re- everyday Christians don't know that term. Sure. You wouldn't expect to drive an hour. Yeah. And legitimately though, like this is an, 
unreached people group. Yes, for sure. In this in the Athens sure. community, again, like you're for saying, sure. like a lot of these people, not only have did they not go to church, have never gone to church. Yeah, for it's sure. a very interesting little subset of, of especially in the South, we're in Georgia, but it's like no, there's people here who've literally never been to church before. No, no doubt, and honestly, a a university community promotes that even more, right? Um, you know, it's those. Uh, kind of traditional values aren't really maybe as strong in university communities. You have very progressive thought and whatnot. And so, yeah, so that was our heartbeat. So that's why we moved here. I mean, I could move into all that story. I mean, I'll tell you the real quick story of the last 16 and a half years for us as it relates to a church. But in the fall of 2004, my family moved here along with three other families. And we started kind of getting the word out in any way we could. Hey, we're going to start a church. It's going to be a different kind of church. Now, one big advantage for us is we were in a partnership with the North Point Church in Atlanta, which had already built a very successful ministry. So it had a bit of a reputation. So when we said we're trying to start something, we could point back to that and go, we're trying to start something like that, right? Whereas, you know, the person that's trying to start a, a new bakery, right? If it's all a brand new idea and they don't have anything else to point to, then they're going to have to find another way to uh, help people understand exactly what they're trying to do. So we're trying to try, trying to gather a, a bit of a, a, a team to help pull this off. We started with our first service in January of 05. We were two and a half years in a public high school, um, just renting an auditorium. Um, and and the, the term for that is portable church. So that's like a church that doesn't have a home, right? So your typical church you would drive by that's got the red brick building and the steeple and all that, that church exists there. But we were a church that didn't have one of those. And so we were two and a half years in the public high school. And then we went downtown to what's kind of our civic center, the classic center. Uh, we rented there for four more years. So six and a half years of portable church, which one of the fascinating things about that, you know, in the entrepreneurial thing is um, we everything was set up and tear down every week. And so you're there at five something in the morning, you know, you're bleeding before the church starts because you've banged your finger on some sort of rolling case <laughs> or whatever, you know. Well, I heard the pastor cuss 10 times and church hasn't even started. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, all the people were not there to hear all that, that language and that experience. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, so you're, you're packing up afterwards and all that. Hey, just to clarify here. Yeah. yeah. You're saying it. It's like, this isn't paid labor force no. doing all this. No, not, not at all. So the vision not has to be strong here. This is volunteers getting there at whatever, five thirty yes, six in the morning yeah, to start yeah. setting up yeah, well, cubicles. Basically. You got, you got <laughs> uh, free bagels and a t-shirt. Um, that was, that was your pay for coming to be a part of our 5A. And we caught, you know, one thing around this whole idea of vision is like, we even named that group of people, that group of people is called road crew. And so they literally had road crew t-shirts and, uh, we would, you know, feed them breakfast and, and spend time kind of sharing, inspiring vision of why this really matters. Why would you give your time to do this? What difference is it going to make today? Was this, so. was this completely a trial and error approach or had, had North Point done this model in different cities? Did you have a game plan or was it? Yeah, North Point had started a singular church in Alpharetta. They were just starting to think about starting this in other places. Okay. And I'll tell you, one of the big things that changed this was the video technology and even the, the mindset that you could have. Um, so let me clarify what I mean by that, the video technology. So Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of North Point in Atlanta, is an extremely gifted communicator. And when they grew rapidly in the early 2000s, they, they outgrew the room they were in. They decided to build another one. And instead of building, they had like a 2,500-seat room. Instead of building like a 5,000-seat room, they built another 2,500-seat room. And when it was time for the message in the service, they would just show a video of it in the other room. 
And the way the, the camera works, it, it, there's a center screen that looks like the individual is there. And then there's kind of side, we call them iMag screens, which is kind of the, like you would see on television or whatnot. So the technology is all synced up. So they did that literally 40 feet behind their other room. So yeah. they had another 2,500-seat room that, that were back-to-back. And, I mean, it worked. They, they filled up both rooms. It was so I mean, funny because this is when I'm going to North Carolina. Yeah. And it's, it would say in, like, the like bulletin or whatever it was, and it would say, if your last name starts with M through Z, yes. please go to the East Auditorium. Exactly. It started, I was like, yeah, yeah you were just trying to get it where everybody can get the live version right. and everybody can get the technology version. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so cool to see how that worked. So a guy walks out of that one Sunday morning and is in a conversation with Andy. He says, you know, if you can do that 40 feet away, you can do that 40 miles away. And so, again, I, I love this word on this entrepreneurial idea because that was a brand new concept at the time. I mean, yeah. there were a couple of churches experimenting with it. Nobody was experimenting with the center screen image that, that North Point did. Really, nobody still does that. That's been a really unique part of what we do. So when I found out about that, North Point then decided they wanted to go in town, Atlanta to Buckhead. They, they now have seven campuses in the Atlanta area. Um, but back then it was just an idea. And so I remember being in a staff meeting, a guy said, Hey, I'm from Dothan, Alabama. That's where I grew up. He was on staff at North Point. He said, I'm moving back home. I'm starting a church and I'm not going to preach. I'm going to show videos of Andy in place of the sermon every Sunday. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. And I like to communicate. I like to speak on Sundays as a part of a service, but I don't want to do it 50 times a year. And so the thought that we could use Andy as a part of those and that I could do some of those as well just seemed like a, a perfect idea. Because in my uh, arena, there's really my role typically has two really important factors. And those things are specifically leadership and communication. If you want to look back, historically speaking, at somebody that's very good at, at what I do, they're very gifted communicators and they're very good leaders. But what we often see is in most churches, and if you have any church background, usually the pastor is good at one of the two. Yeah, They're usually either a really good communicator or they're a really good leader. Or maybe, you know, they've got that, like, if if it's a smaller church, that just pastoral, really warm sense that people really love. But in terms of larger churches... And so, um, so yeah, so we, we're, we're in that portable season for six and a half years. And then if you know anything about the Athens area, um, there was a Walmart on one side of town that eventually moved a mile away to another um, road. And when that happened, that entire shopping center just started going downhill. And so we ended up buying that shopping center. A long story, but um, one neat thing for us, and I think this is neat for entrepreneurs as well, the economic um, challenges in 07 and 08 really opened the door for us to buy something that we wouldn't have ever been able to buy any other way. And so I think even as, you know, here we are in our country right now thinking about, oh, man, great inflation's coming, right? Or the housing market's probably going to crash at some point or whatever. Um, like those are opportunities. Sure. When you're prepared, when you're ready, those create really good opportunities. So now we have this <laughs> really massive facility, which was, was an old rundown shopping center that we just in the last year, and we could talk about this forever, we tore down 100,000 square feet of space and built outdoor space. Um, that Throughout COVID, that's just been a huge, huge benefit, and it's really beautified our campus as well. So that's a little bit of the story. So the last 10 years now, we've been in this kind of renovating this old rundown shopping center. I remember, so I live about two miles from, 
from the church. And um, you lived over there at the time, I guess. Uh, we, we live about a half I really appreciated you guys moving the church closer to me. <laughs> no, absolutely. You're, you're, well, after well, that first meeting in 04, I mean, it was all we could do. Like, you know? yeah, yeah. I think Josh like, lives As soon as this yeah. guy starts dressing in a track suit That's instead right. of a regular suit. We're, we're going to come this way. But at the time, I grew up in very traditional church and and had never experienced anything like the, the service Athens Church offers. And I remember hearing a church bought the old Walmart in the shopping center, and I'm like, how is that possible? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm, I grew up in like South Georgia traditional church. Like, yeah. they don't churches don't buy shopping centers. I yeah. was so confused and and skeptical and curious. Sure. And I'm like, what is? I'm glad something's happening over there, but oh, I'm man. very unsure what it is. It's been awesome to watch that uh, just blossom. I want to go back for a second and, and talk about uh, the startup phase yeah. and coming from. I have something to point to. This yeah. is the model. This is the experience. This, yep. this is how we want to approach what we're building. Uh, but it's brand new. It's never been done in a satellite format like we're doing it. And we're doing it at a gym Yeah, with probably uncomfortable chairs sure. and somewhat uh, less than desirable equipment and screens. I think for so many younger business owners, and especially now with social media and Instagram and everything, they feel like to start their business or to start their journey or start yeah. their venture or whatever it may be, it's got to be perfect. Or it's yeah. got to, hey, I got to have enough money to have this glamorous campus or, or I got right. this building or have the right technology or lighting. And it's just not the case. Y'all yeah. are able to, because there's such strong vision and leadership and communication, y'all are able to get people to see where you're going six, eight, ten years from now and say, hey, I know, look around, we're we're in a high school gym that's dirty and has uncomfortable chairs and we got to put it all up and tear it all down. But this is where we're going. That, that is With, such a, without pointing to, Hey, this Walmart over here, like yeah. this is where yeah. we're going to no, end no up. No idea what yeah. that really no, just looks yeah. like. In we're going to end up somewhere, yeah. somewhere out there. Sure. We're going to end up and people again, willing to, to give up their sleep. Yeah. To buy into this Ooh. vision and, and and not just show up and not work. I mean, they were working hard. Yeah. For doing, sure. serving for the church at this point. Yeah. Yeah. How did you paint that vision for people? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think there's a number of factors. When I think about that entrepreneur specifically, a couple of things come to mind. One is I think you have to be crystal clear on exactly what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Um, we talk all the time about you cannot be great at a lot of things. You, If you want to be great at something, you got to figure out what those few things are and then be as, as as great as you can possibly be in those areas. And so I think that's really important. So like when we began, we didn't have a church softball team and we didn't have a women's ministry and we didn't have, honestly, when we began, we didn't even have a teenager ministry. Like early on, it was adults, preschool, elementary. And that was all we could pull off at the time. And then we had uh, groups of met at homes. So like Sunday school, maybe that you heard about. We didn't have any Sunday school rooms or anything like that. So we got really simple and focused on the things that were vital to our mission. And then we said, we're going to do these as great as we can do it. So even though we were in a you know high school uh, building, we made that as great as you can make a high school building in a few hours on a Sunday morning. So we had like... We bought, uh, we bought trailers that we had all our stuff filled with. We would pull those trailers up, open them up, unload them, and we would spend hours setting up. So in our minds, we're kind of revolutionizing this high school facility so that it looks way more like a cool uh, environment yeah. that you're coming into. Um, and so, you know, again, it's like kind of what's 
manageable and what what can you pull off with the manpower and money and everything that you have. But I think that idea of focus was so important of understanding, okay, this is what's most important for us. And so for us in our language, it was somebody is going to walk in new today. So we said to everybody who was helping us start this, like, here's the way this works. We're not going to put billboards all over town. We're going to put you all over town. You're the billboard. And so what we want you to do when you're on the Little League team, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're in the office and you begin a relationship with someone, we want you to say, hey, there's this new church and I think it's really different and unique. I think it's really helpful and it's making a difference in my life. Would you want to come check it out? You know, interestingly enough, even in our like not heavily churched American culture, still about 80% of people say if they are personally invited by a friend to come check out a church, they'll come. They'll at least come check it out. Yeah, and they might come, they're going to come with all their skepticism, right? And all their questions, understandably. And, you know, you got all your televangelists and all the things that kind of shape people's perspectives on maybe what church ought to be. And um, so, you know, we said, hey, so our, our, our focus was when somebody first comes in here, we want them to have a great experience. We want them to be treated no matter what they're wearing, no matter what kind of tracksuit they've got on, you know, when they walk in. We want them to feel, uh, you know, welcome and accepted and valued. And we're going to tell them, look, we're going to be done in 60 minutes. We're not going to be here for three hours. Um, you know, we're going to make it really practical and helpful. So all those things, I think, were just vital for us in those early days. Man, that's that's such a smart approach because instead of trying to do 10 things or provide 10 experiences that people are accustomed to and having a decent approach to those 10, you said, hey, let's get focused and let's we know what we want this person to experience when they walk in the door right. and we're going to be really good and stay in this lane. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you also did not dilute your resources. Right. And we see this off really in any business, but oftentimes in churches where there's like, we need to start a ministry for this and a ministry yes. for this and a ministry. Yes. Hey, who's running the equestrian ministry now? You know what I'm right, saying? Right, there's, right. there's these things that, that push out there. And so that focused approach, so you can put all of your resources, again, that like use of the word vital to the most vital areas. Like this is what we have to do. Yeah. Let's fund this first. And as we grow, We'll be able to fund the next next level. Absolutely. Because again, I don't know if you had a, a specific like this is our target audience, so to speak, yeah, for yeah. getting there. But I know in the North Point model that hey, helping kids to have a really fun time at church yep. is just like if we can do that, then yeah. it removes a barrier for people to come. And my kids go and they they're I mean they're like excited to go to church oh, every Sunday, and it's, it's just like I was when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, was, no was doubt. The same? No, man, we literally have a, and, and I think every business should consider some version of this. We have a literally a like target person. So in our yeah. minds, we have this like, you know, back, back in the day, we would talk about this like 30 year old um, guy, specifically guy for us, because in, in, in church, women tend to be more spiritually responsive. Guys are more hesitant. Guys are like, hey, I'd rather go to the golf course, right, than do this, or I'd rather sleep in this morning than do this. And so we had this guy in mind who's probably married, probably got a couple of young kids, probably trying to build his business and, you know, kind of get his life off the ground. But he's now at that place where he's starting to think about like, okay, what impact am I going to make in my kids' lives? What impact am I going to make in the world? Who am I? You know, is this marriage really where I want to be? All asking all those questions. We're like, that's the guy we hope walks in the door. And if that guy walks in the door, we're going to try to do everything we can to speak to him and make sure that he has a great experience and make sure that his kids have a great experience. And and I mean, we have heard this hundreds of times. I mean, we literally have told people, if you're just checking out Athens Church, we recommend that you don't bring your kids because if you bring your kids, you're coming back. Like it's, (laughs) it's pretty much a guarantee. It is an unbelievable experience. And I can say that as a 
satisfied customer. My sons are 21 and 19 now. They went all the way through and they loved it. I mean, they had a great experience to the very end. It was positive. So, so, I will tell you, man, the reason I go to the church is, is for my kids. It's definitely not for the Sunday sermons. <laughs> <laughs> it's for my kids. I'm just messing. But no, they really do like that. So like, the kids love it, right? Yes. They have a great time. But you're focused on, a, like you said, like, hey, I got a particular customer in mind. Yep. Which means that anybody can come. Anybody can enjoy sure. it. But somebody may not enjoy it as much because it's being organized around like I sure. get this this person this is my ideal customer and this right. is where we think we can provide the most value and create the, maybe the most influence to leverage in for sure the community right right and I think that's probably in the church world especially sometimes a difficult thing for people to understand sure is that we are kind of going after you know yeah, different segments a, go after different they're trying to reach different people sure right absolutely so Sean I want to ask a couple questions here on the front end of this because a, a lot of people that are listening right now they might not be full-time in their business yet. Maybe it's something that's on the side. Maybe yeah. they're just thinking about starting something. And for some people, they're, they're wanting to start a service-based business, and they can start it on a streamlined budget and mm-hmm. do all these things while they're doing their other deal. But what you did wasn't like that. And so this is more of a legit startup where you have to go all in. So yes. I'm going to go back to the staff meeting. The guy from Dothan says yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some visions, something in you clicks at that point too, I'm assuming. Yeah, You're for like, sure. I think we can go do this here. So yeah. I wanted to two questions. There to ask you two questions and you can just kind of guide us from here. But starting this up and getting it funded. Yeah. Because you had to raise some money. Yes. Right. Because we're, you didn't come in and be like, hey guys, we're meeting at the park this Sunday. Yes. Right. Bring your right. own chair. Right. Like you were starting where you had to make an investment. And right. then also the second part of this is because when you have a startup and when you're getting funding, you do have to cast a vision of where this fund, like where this money is going. This yeah. is the, this money's, this, this is the seed and this is the harvest it's going to reap. Right. I want to know what you saw from the beginning, your vision. Was it, was it where you're at now with all the, you know, 15, 16 years later? So uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the fundraising aspect and, and mm-hmm. also the vision that you saw in the early days? Oh man, that's so good. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I get like the jitters thinking about like the funding part of it again, because no doubt that was one of the hardest things that I've ever done in and my life. And they teach you so. that in, in Bible college, right? <laughs> yeah, they actually don't. Um, yes, that would have been very helpful. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one thing I'll just start with the vision part, because uh, I think everything, you know, begins and ends there, really. Um, if you don't have a really clear vision of what it is that you're trying to establish, anybody that's trying to start a business, start anything, if they don't have a clear picture of where they're going, right, you're, you're never going to get there uh, because you, you, don't, you don't know exactly where the destination is anyway. So being at North Point was incredibly helpful for me in that sense, that at least from a qualitative vantage point, for the five years that I was on staff there, I got to see people's lives being changed in the way my life was changed in college and, and it was happening in a very sustainable way and their kids were loving it and their marriages were getting better and they were getting healthier financially and they were getting healthier, <clears throat> excuse me, emotionally. They were getting healthy spiritually. Like they were just becoming healthier people in which I believe, and one of the reasons I love what I do, I genuinely believe the best possible thing I can do for the world is lead an individual into a growing relationship with Jesus. Because I believe when a person comes to a relationship with Jesus, they become more kind, more respectful, more honest. They don't cheat on their spouse as much. They don't cheat on their taxes. You know, they're they're the kind of person we want in society, the kind of neighbors you want to be around, right? Yeah, Andy Stanley says this all the time. Like, 
Um, Christians ought to have the perspective that like, hey, I might not want to be one of those, but I want my kid to marry one of those, you know, because that's that's a, that's an quality person. I want to hire one of those, right? Like that's a really amazing. So I think that vision of what could happen in the life of an individual and then ultimately what could happen in a community if enough of those individuals transpired, right? So that vision was really clear to me and that was worth for me as a, you know, I was 34 years old at the time, um, I mean, that was worth giving my life for, yeah. you know? I mean, we all got to figure out what, what are you going to like give your life for? And for me, that was that was worth it. So this is really interesting. And we're gonna, I'm dropping all the Christian talk here too, but you had already been to the promised land, yeah. right? So yeah. you're not leading to leading people to a promised land that is just a figment of your imagination. Yeah. Like you've been there, lived there, worked there. Yeah. And, you're and going left. To, yeah. Hey, and, and, I'm going to go. Yeah. There needs yeah. to be a promised land. Yeah. 60 miles from here. Right. So from a vision perspective, so it wasn't just like, I'm going to start a business and here's what I see. It's like, no, 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 I've experienced the yeah. fruit of the labor here. So you knew it was worth it. Yeah, for sure. But you had to sell other people on the idea. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. You're coming to a group of people saying, hey, this is going to be amazing. This can really happen. And they're like, um, what are you talking about? Like, we've never seen that. I think the thing that was unique about coming here was coming to, and I remember even talking to Andy about this. He didn't have a lot of experience with Athens. He was like, he thought Athens, I mean, it's just a bunch of college students, right? There's not like a real like town there. And a lot of people that don't live here don't really know, right? It's not Statesboro. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, so I think what was unique was the idea was here is this neat, really diverse community. Like so many people that don't know Athens, right? So we've got like an incredibly high poverty rate in town. We've got this high um, academic, uh, academic uh, arena. Then we've got all these kind of families that live around the community as well, which I love about our city, right? Super diverse, super you know, artistic community, all those kind of things. So I think it was, it was taking that and then seeing how that would plant and flourish in this context. But yes, no doubt about it. Had I not tasted it, as a matter of fact, I'll say this, this is really helpful for the entrepreneurs. So wish I had more time to like give you like all of my story, but like college is where I began a relationship with God. And then I worked for a year and then I went to grad school for four years. Um, seminary is a long graduate school process. And so during those four years, I started getting the entrepreneurial bug in me. Like I want to start something. And I actually wanted to start a church right out of seminary. I say this all the time, um, whether you're in church or not, hopefully you'll get this idea. I say God's never like spoke to me audibly. But during that time, um, God spoke to me. When I wanted to start a church, God spoke to me audibly in a voice that sounds exactly like my wife's voice. It was like, Sean, that's a bad idea. It's like, God, is that you? She was like, yes, that's me. So anyway, um, she was awesome. But she was so wise. I didn't know at the time. And I, I would say, man, uh, wives can be such an incredible gift uh, of wisdom to us guys. But um she knew that that was a great idea, but I wasn't ready. Oh, yeah. And so I hadn't tasted it yet. See, I didn't yeah. know that, that I thought I had these ideas. You have all these, and I, I see, I think all the time entrepreneurs have these ideas of things they want to, but they've never seen any of it materialized. And at least if you could see a picture of it somewhere, you have a better idea of what you're actually trying to All day replicate. long. Man, that is people. huge because you will not make it six and a half years in a mobile location yes. doing that work if you can't taste and see and experience that vision in your yes. mind. Or and somewhere. people want to jump they, ship. They got that job. Yes. They got a job right now and they got a business that they're thinking about and they want to just like be like, I quit my job and start my business. And we're like, your business idea is half baked. You're yes. not ready. Yes. And so yes. most of the people who speak on our podcast, which is funny, Sean, they work their business in the beginning for years before they could 
jump ship, right? Because yeah. they, they fledged out like, all right, they, they figured it out. So again, your experience with not starting then, because you listened to wise counsel, yeah. right? You had some wise people around you, yeah. led you down a path that has led to a very success, a lot of success. Sure. But people, again, they want to, they're eager, I want to go start it now. And oftentimes we're not ready. Uh, it, and even, even waiting, I experienced and, and then coming to Athens, I assume even at that time, people still thought you were crazy. Oh, 100%. Friends, family, like, what yes. are you doing, man? Yes. Like, I mean, I, at the time, I left one of the most successful churches in America. I mean, I had a great job. I had a I had great influence in that organization. Everything was going for me. I mean, and so there there was no reason in that sense to leave. But I had tasted enough. Also, the bridge for me, just so you know, from post high school to starting this church um, was five years of undergrad. Took a victory lap, which I recommend for everybody. Um, working for a year at a church, then four years of grad school. Just that was ten years. Then five years of tasting this somewhere else. So this was a 15-year journey of, education and yes, yeah. of me being developed to where I was finally ready to at least try it. And so, um, yeah, so all, all that was a huge deal. Now, the, uh, the other question you asked was about the funding of it. Yeah. So I chose, now every entrepreneur has got to figure this out. And I don't even recommend the path that I took, um, but I'm, I'm thankful for the way that it worked out. Hey, can I call a pause just for one yes, second? Yes, please. Not only did you quit your job. Yeah. You talk some other people into yes. quitting their jobs, too. Yes, dude. I talked two dudes into moving across the country with their families. <laughs> I mean, and, and one of the guys, Mike um, Kozlowski, he's on our team now, he moved to Athens a year into it when I'm about to tell you how much money we were losing at that time with four kids. He came from Philadelphia to Atlanta to give this a try. And, man, by the grace of God, his family still eats and lives indoors, which is awesome. So uh, I'm really thankful for that. But yeah, it was a really scary thing. So yeah, we started with um, four full-time staff members who we're saying, we're paying your salary and we're going to help with your health insurance and we're renting the high school every week and we didn't have anywhere to meet. It wasn't quite as easy to kind of say, hey, we're going to like meet at Starbucks as our you know office or whatever. And we kind of wanted a space that we could at least bring people to and be able to have small meetings and and uh, and conversations and kind of that I don't know gave a little bit of a taste of who we are. So we rented a, an old house in downtown Watkinsville across from Jittery Joe's there. So all of this was expense that was just burning from day one. And North Point gave us. Um, uh, not that it really matters all that much. They gave us a, a gift of about seventy thousand dollars. And then they gave us a loan of $250,000. We had five years to pay it back. It was actually a zero interest loan, which was incredible. But we had to raise the 250 before they would give us the 250, right? They weren't just going to give it to us. They were going to prove that we had the ability to raise some money. So we literally, we're going to anybody and everybody saying, hey, will you help us raise money to start this? We have this idea. We have this vision. And uh, again, pointing back to North Point, I think was super helpful, but also pointing to Athens, Georgia and going, hey, here's a place where a high percentage of people are not engaged in a local church. So the need is we could point to that need and say there's a unique opportunity here. Um, so anyway, that that was all huge. So, I mean, I spent part of my job description for the first two and a half years that we did this was meet with anybody who will give me a dollar to help us do this and try to cast the vision to say, hey, I think this will change people's lives. And standing 16 years on the other side of this now, I'm like, oh my goodness, it, 
it's exceeded everything I could have possibly imagined. But in those early days, yeah, I mean, it was it was a uh, it was just a, a grind to wake up every day and pray and look for opportunities. And we had people that gave us fifty dollars and people that gave us fifty thousand dollars. And no pressure at all, right? Like you didn't <laughs> yeah. feel any pressure. No, not at all. Yeah, you got these like four families who have already staked their lives on what you're doing, and then you know the just the the reputation of it all. And yeah, for they sure. didn't just quit their jobs. They quit their jobs and moved to a new city. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of pressure on yes. you and, and on your team to raise the money. Sure. Were you able to raise some of the money before you left your job at North Point, or how did that part work? Not like kind of the hey, we're leaving North Point, and yeah, my job, but we're starting this. What did that transition? I made up my mind like? in the summer of 2004 that it was definitely going to happen. After that conversation we had, I'm that's sure. exactly right. There was this pivotal conversation. <laughs> this Holiday place needs Express, help. <laughs> late at night, this guy was really influential for me. You might have been, who knows? Um, but uh, anyway, made up my mind in summer of 04. I say that my first day on the job was um, kickoff against Georgia Southern in 2004. Um, so I started essentially Labor Day. Um, one of the other guys started October 1st. Another one started October 15th. Another one started November 1st. So there was like a small on-ramp there in terms of us coming on. But it took us, and then our first public service wasn't until January of 05, but it took us until 2007 to become cash flow positive where our income and experience expenses were actually meeting each other. So I remember distinctly in November 2005, I preached on a Sunday night. Our, our services were at night then because um, we were kind of just getting started. It took us forever to get everything set up. And I remember saying, all right, here's the deal. We believe that God wants us to start this church. We believe that this will change people's lives. We're just getting started. And our first service, by the way, was very indicative that there was a need and opportunity for this. So actually, this is very unique in the uh, church planning world. There were 500 people at our first service. Now, 100 plus of those had come from Atlanta to support us. Um, but there was a lot of even like local interest in this from the beginning. But all the entrepreneurs need to hear this. We started with 500 people, but I tell people that over the next six months, I grew our church from 500 to 130. <laughs> And so all entrepreneurs, you know, have that like opening day where they're giving away like free waffles or whatever, yeah. you know, and everybody shows up. And then it's like, you know, six months later, hey, where's everybody? The waffles are gone. Um, and so and you so, lost me at road crew wake up at five in the morning. Bro. Yes. Like, I'm no, back no. When you have your own facility. Yeah, this is 100%. built. <laughs> yes. I love oh, the vision. You got cushions on the chair. Th- I'll was, be back. Yeah, was, I hate the path through the wilderness, but the vision sounds great. <laughs> yes. That. There was plenty of that. So I remember November 2005, I said, here's the deal. We believe this is going to make a huge difference in this city. We need you to help us. And specifically, we need you to help us financially. This is just the people that are attending that night. I said, right now, we're losing $30,000 a month as an organization. I said, that's $1,000 a day that we are losing. And this we're not going to make it. Like, it's not going to happen. And and the thing was, I think, you know, and again, in my industry was, it's not just and this is not a criticism of anyone else, right? If they've got like a, uh, I don't know, some sort of, again, a, a bakery, right, that they're trying to start. It's not just that people won't have donuts. It's like, we believe that if this church doesn't happen, that there's college students that are going to end up, their lives are going to go in a bad direction because they never found the spiritual guidance and direction they need. There's kids who are going to grow up who aren't going to love church, who aren't going to love having a relationship with God. And that could all change if you can help us make this happen. And man, all I know to do is, uh, you know, bad saying. I say God looks out for drunks and idiots, and I don't drink enough to be a drunk, so I must be in the <laughs> idiot category. And so, I mean, God was just really gracious to us, and a group of people just slowly started getting on board. 
And then by 07, we finally hit that cash flow positive uh, arena for us. But remember, then you're moving into 07, 08, where economic downturn yeah, is happening. Yeah, things were great as soon as you <laughs> yeah, start. Everybody's like, I got a lot of extra there. money to give you. Like, right. You know what's interesting, though, is though people didn't have extra money, some people did need God involved in their money. You know what I mean? And so yeah. they're like, oh, hey, yeah. I, I, I've been doing just fine without you, God. And it's like, oh, oh, God, actually, I need you right now. You know, if you'll help out here, that would be great. And so I think they're spiritual. This happens all the time. When life gets harder, our spiritual sensitivity goes up, right? When life is great, man, I'm not sure, God, I'm sitting on the beach, you know, and, and enjoying life and things are just fine. But when the marriage is falling apart and when my kid has wandered off or whatever, Man, I, I need that. I need community. I need truth. I need, you know, encouragement. So all that to say, um, so there was this period of time for two years where I'm going out to literally anybody anywhere in the city or around the country saying we help us start it. And then internally, we're trying to build the funding as well because we need the long-term sustainability was internal funding, right? Every every church has to be built on the people that actually attend there. So you're having to so. chase some some quick money or some upfront money while yes. you're also building a system of cash flow in the background. A- and you know, like, I can't build the system fast enough. I got to yes. go for regular entrepreneur. Yes. I got to go sell some big ticket items here hundred percent, to fund yeah. me until we can do this. So maybe I got to do some work that's outside of my, at certain points of business. So if you're like, this is my ideal client. This is what I want to do. This is my perfect product. Sometimes you got to bend the system a little bit yeah, to get sure. yourself to the next level. So y'all are doing both, which is smart because that's yeah, the only it, way you could succeed. And I guess in some people's worlds, it might be you're looking for that like capital venture, you know, income, uh, you know, contributions or whatever. But yeah, we ended up having to raise about a million dollars to get us to cash flow positive. To get from the very beginning to to that point in 27, there's about a million of burn, if you will, um, that we had to. Which I think, with. again, in your mind, and this happens, you know financially I deal with a lot of business owners and a lot of startups and, and help guide them through that process and it it it's just so deceiving because you think about okay we got some trailers some chairs we're renting a gym I remember this I remember like I can see it like it was yesterday it was two three maybe even four years ago I lose track of time uh, we're we were at a service and you were talking about the history of the church and yeah. you mentioned that $30,000 a month and yeah. I almost fell out of the chair <laughs> I was like oh my god but so many people start their business and think about, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll start bootstrapping. But it is way more expensive yeah. and way more financially stressful than anybody realized. And I think this is yeah. a, a, a good point to that is you were starting out uh, in a fashion that, that wasn't glamorous, that wasn't sexy, and it was right. still like just financially just tough. Yeah. And y'all had to scrap for, I guess, what's that, uh, two, three years before yeah, for you, sure. you were able to get to a place. Um, so one... One direction I want to take us here, and this is for me as a as an entrepreneur and a business owner in the service industry, you have built a model that that and a product that people want and people need and the community needs, and you've done it through providing an experience uh, that's better than anything else out there. How did you maintain that by growing and changing so fast from? 500 down to 130, now back up to thousands of, of people attending Athens Church. Yeah, um, thanks, first of all, for the um, compliments. But um, I think, again, I think a lot of it does go back to that focused idea. First of all, we did have a picture of some of what we were hoping to create. We, we've alluded to that. But then going back to this focus, even as more resources and more people came online, we didn't immediately allow ourselves to become everything to everybody. When you become everything to everybody, you're nothing to nobody. 
right? Like you've got to figure out who you're going to be and be that as effectively as you can possibly do it. And so for us, we continue to stay focused on we're going to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. We're going to think about the first timer that walks in. I mean, just to give you guys a little bit of context, okay, here we are in 2021 in the craziest of years, you know, in the last year we've ever experienced. Athens Church this year, uh, we have a, thing, a room called the studio. And so if you're a guest, we say, hey, we'd love for you to stop by the studio. We got a free coffee mug we want to give you. We could talk about the Athens. I love you branding and all that at some point as well. Um, but um, just we'd love to meet you and, and love to tell you what, what this place is all about and just tell you that we're right here. I mean, this year we've had 600 first-time guests come in, even in the middle of this crazy pandemic. So we knew that we wanted to build something from the beginning that, again, would impact a city. You know, that, that was insane, but we knew to do that. We had to stay really focused on what we do best. And there's a lot of things still that we don't do and things that we'll never do. I mean, people ask us all the time, you're going to start a school, you're going to start a softball league, you're going to start a counseling. Or, no, we're not doing any of those. No, not, not now, not ever. We're going to stay focused on, on the main thing. So, so you talk about the 600 new guests. And, yeah. and, and again, it's all about experience uh, that, that you build there. And when there's a new guest, you want to love on them. You want to give sure. them gifts. You want to follow sure. up with them, all the, the great things that, that you all do so well. How are you staffing or planning or how are you anticipating you're going to have 100 guests? You're going to have 800 guests? Yeah. And continuing to provide that experience there. Uh, it's it's wild. Um, one thing for those of you that don't like work in church, it's honestly shocking how predictable the trends become over time. Um, you know, I mean, in any other industries, they figure this out as well, right? They know what the traffic patterns are going to be. Sure. You ask the traffic people in Atlanta, they'll tell you exactly what hours, what roads, what times it's going to happen. It just, they just see the patterns. So, I mean, well, then pretty small percentages. I can tell you on a given Sunday how many people are going to show up, which is wild. And what's also wild is it's not the same people. So, I mean, literally to think that like 3,000 people are going to show up this Sunday and next Sunday, 3,112 people are going to show up, but 1,800 of those are different. I mean, that is just insane to me how that how that works. But so, yeah, you you learn those patterns over time. But for us, it again becomes, okay, what's the clear mission we're trying to accomplish? What are the key uh, components that need to be in place for that to happen? So for us, we need to have somebody that's managing guest services. We need to have somebody that's overseeing the music. We need to have somebody that's overseeing the preschool environment, the elementary environment, you know, all, and then all of those need to be great leaders. I think this is a big deal for us, knowing that we were going to build something that we hope would have substantial impact. We didn't want um, to just build people that were just good performers, but people that were great leaders. And a great leader is somebody that is able to gather other people around them to help them pull off what they do. You know, they say, uh, you, you know how you know you're not a great leader, right? Is if you say like, follow me and you start walking and all of a sudden you look around, nobody's behind you then, you know, you're just taking a walk in the park I, at that I point. I didn't know we were doing insults today, Sean. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm wearing the blue track, track so, suit. They must have yeah, forgot. No, yeah, it's me right here. Come on, guys. You'll have fun. Um, but we are intentional about hiring and, and you know, acquiring world-class leaders. I've literally used that term from the beginning of our organization. I want a world-class staff. And I really believe that. Like, I believe that we have that. I believe... You could take our staff and put us in some other industry and, you know, take me off the leadership and just let all those guys go do it. And they would kill it at whatever they do, uh, because I just think they're uh, high EQ people. They're uh, they're um, people that work really hard. They're intelligent. 
Um, they work well together. We have a really neat sense of unity. So I think knowing what we're trying to build and knowing that, like for your kids to enjoy elementary, for instance, what's got to happen is some, some people have got to be great at checking them in and making them feel welcome and making sure you know you've got a tag. These are my kids. Nobody else can take my kids. It's safe in here. The doors are locked, all that. Then they're going to go to a large group environment. Somebody's got to be good at singing and leading them and all that. <clears throat> Somebody's got to communicate a good Bible story in a way a third grader understands it and really relates to. And somebody's got to handle the fun factor. Then they're going to go back to a small group room and somebody's got to manage the the curriculum that's in that small group room to make sure there's volunteers in there to lead all that. All that's complex. Somebody's got to make sure the room's well decorated. The room was cleaned during the week. I mean, all the things that go into that. You know this. That takes good leadership. That doesn't just happen, right? So you need to um, employ world class leaders. So for us, um, getting hired where we are is incredibly difficult. We are so slow. You've probably heard, you know. Hire slow, fire fast, right? And we've had to do both of those. Um, that that's a whole other thing. Most churches, if you get a job there, you'll never get fired <laughs> ever. You know, I mean, unless you like shoot somebody or sleep with somebody you shouldn't or whatever. But like in our arena, like we will love you forever. But if you're not competent and hardworking at what you do, it, listen, it's not that we don't like you. It's the mission matters too much. I mean, you probably have heard you know uh, people talk about this, but like. If we don't do what we do well, there's grave consequences. If you are a baker and your donuts are not good that day, then maybe they're not coming back the next day or whatever. We believe that, and this goes to the vision of what we do, we believe that like what we do, like marriages hang in the balance, like kids hang in the balance, the decisions. I mean, we don't even, you can't even calculate the preventative things that happen because of what we get to do, right? I mean, how many kids don't get pregnant when they're 16? How many kids, you know, don't start drinking or smoking whatever thing? Or how many kids don't steal whatever thing or join whatever gang or whatever? So, you know, the preventative aspects of that are just massive as well. So you can see all that is like tied into the vision of why we're doing what we're doing and why we believe it matters. And you see why I'm willing to give my life for it. So i got a hiring question for you. Bring it on. You're going to love the word I'm going to use for this because you right. you're not supposed to say this word in right. church unless okay. you're like preaching against it. We're not in church. So we're <laughs> exactly say. right. We're yeah. at the podcast studio. <laughs> Do you hire for greed? So do you hire based on the vision of where we're going or do you hire for need, which is like, we got to get somebody because of what we already got. So we are when you're looking for these world-class leaders, is it yeah. to say like, we got to get somebody to take us to the next level or is it we got to get somebody because we're we're stuck, we can't grow anymore? I will say this. Our like kind of, honestly, financial philosophy as a church from day one, and this a lot just is driven by my personality. I'm really very cheap individual and we're a very, the term we use is scrappy organization, and entrepreneurs can relate to that word, right? It's like, hey, how do I take those leftovers and turn them into a casserole tomorrow or whatever, right? You got to figure out a way to, to do that, make the most of what you have. Um, but what we tend to do is most often build something with a volunteer base and then hire behind that to carry that to the next level. And so rather, it's there are occasionally times that we will like, hire and say, hey, go build this. Um, but that is way less common for us. More often than not, I've got staff members going, look, dude, we've got 400 kids coming and there's only two of us as a staff over here pulling this off and the ratios are just not realistic. We're not able to, nobody's able to focus on the small group leader part of it and we got to have more help. And so more often it's like, okay, well, you need a volunteer coach who leads other volunteer leaders in that area 
And as soon as you, if you can have that person hang on for the next six months, then we'll be able to afford it. I mean, here's a whole other thing. We can talk about finances forever. I love talking about that. We from, not, not definitely not from day one. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think when we might've done this. Maybe, maybe seven years in. Okay. I don't know. We eventually got to the place where we said we cannot live as an organization off 100% of what we make all the time. We have got to have some margin yes. somewhere in there. Absolutely. And I remember coming through again, uh, uh, the end of uh, 07, I think it was, and we had $75,000 left in the bank at the end of the year. And we were all like fired up, like, woo, let's go buy a new trailer or whatever we need to do, you know, something exciting. And I remember distinctly going, we need to hang on to that money. I don't, I don't know why we need to hang on to that money. And then we entered into some of those lean months coming back, and we were so glad we did. But for us, we've continued to build that margin. So th- this will sound, if you don't know all of our ins and outs, can maybe can sound a little bit weird. But we essentially only spend two-thirds of what we make right now. And part of that is, I say that, we, we're still uh, about three and a half, four million million in debt right now because we, uh, we have about $25 million worth of property that we've acquired over a period of time and, and built out. And which is amazing that we have $25 million worth of property and we only owe like three and a half, four million million at this point. And it's probably worth $50 million, you know, what we, what we have totally acquired. But so that, that extra third, I'm telling you, we're not spending is ultimately getting us out of debt right now. But that has become a model for us that we have said we have got to function within these margins. And that just gives us a ton of freedom. And once we're out of that debt, which won't be that much longer, it will then provide opportunities for us to be even more effective and maybe even do more of what we do. So like there's conversations right now. This is super insider, but I'm sure nobody on this podcast will tell anybody. (laughs) Um, But like we're asking the question, should there ever be another expression of Athens Church in Athens anywhere else, right? Should there ever be something downtown or east side or Watkinsville or who, wherever. So we don't know. We're just, that's something we're praying about. But functioning with those financial margins allows us to do that. It's sustainability. 100%. I mean, if you're building Athens Church for the sustainability to survive any sort of rapid growth or recession in the future, yes. that financial model is so key, whether it's business or personal finance or growing a church. <laughs> yes. Everybody yes. should be living by exactly. that. Exactly, because, yes. because you have a vision, because you're not done yet. Like, yes. You're not like, hey, you know what? We've reached the finish line, friends. Yes. Athens Church is just going to hang out here for a little bit. Yes. Like, no, you still got, again, vision, growth. Like, we're st- we still have work left to do. Yes. And you, as you know, it costs money to do the work. You yes. don't want to go back into. Yes, it does. Funding mode, like let's right. You no, build 100%. systems that could produce it. Right. So now you can self fund for some of your growth. All right, right, Sean. So we're gonna land this plane and it's on a ten minute kind of runway here. I love it. But I want you to to talk about what we said we talked about from the beginning. And I, I knew we wouldn't do all this. I'm like, it's just too exciting of a story. Again, you can do a whole podcast series based on the lessons learned growing Athens Church. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Wrap us up with the five. The must do's yeah. for the leader. Like yeah. what are the five steps, the five things like for you and your in your area, but for any entrepreneur, like you gotta focus on these things. Yeah. What are those things? I think for me, by the way, this this developed um, probably a couple of years in when the list of what needs to be done, and every entrepreneur can relate to this, the list that needs to be done is never achievable, right? It's always more than you could possibly do. And even just that idea that like, hey, in any business I'm never going to like kind of get to the finish line, but I'm just going to do as much as I can. But you start asking the question, what are the most important things, A, that need to be done? And then B, what are the most important things that I need to do? Of everybody else on this team, you know, I get the privilege of functioning as kind of president, if you will, of our organization. 
So what are the most important things that, that need to happen? So for me, I narrowed that down to five things. Um, one of these things won't uh, maybe necessarily be applicable in every other setting, but it is for our show. For me, the first one is what I call kind of the spiritual temperature of the organization. And this is challenges me every single day, but that is I can't ever expect the people of our church or our organization to go somewhere spiritually that I haven't been or that I'm not willing to go. And so I just, it, it's, you know, Paul actually said this in the New Testament. He said, follow me as I follow Jesus. And so um, I can't just say, hey, you guys ought to have these great spiritual habits and you guys ought to follow Jesus in this way. I'm going to be over here playing golf, you know, like I've got to lead the way in that. So that, that spiritual direction is a huge one. The next one we've talked about a couple of times, but that is the vision part of it. We have a phrase, Jeff Henderson has said this a lot, and that is he says that vision leaks. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Everything that you have vision for as an organization, it will leak. And it is my job to make sure that vision stays white hot. And for me now, that ultimately revolves around our employees. And I I now have given myself a title in the last couple of years, uh, a bit of a comical title, but I call it the D of A, the Director of Amazement. And here's what I mean by that. (laughs) I say this all the time. I say, I don't want anybody here to be more amazed at the incredible things that happen in this church than me. And because, I, first of all, I know me, you know, and I'm like, the fact that God would use me is like a laughable matter anyway. But like, man, we keep seeing these astronomical stories. Yeah, we could do a whole nother podcast series on just the stories. We haven't even touched on Athens, I Love You. We haven't touched on this room we have called the, the gallery that literally has hundreds of faces on it of people who have professed their faith publicly and their lives have been changed. It's the most inspirational thing you could imagine. It's so powerful. And to think back when you saw me, man, I honestly get emotional thinking about that. Like when you saw me in April uh, you know, of 2004, to think that there would be hundreds of faces of people whose lives have been changed. I mean, the stories speak for themselves. I mean, they are, it's not like, you know, hey, I stopped smoking, you know, a little bit or whatever. It's like my whole, I, I thought about, I, I was trying to take my life and now I'm filled with joy and peace and purpose. Like, man, that's worth giving my life yeah. for. You know what I mean? So I'll that whole you, man, vision thing. I didn't have kids when we, when I ran into you in yeah. 2004. But my two kids, I have two of my three kids. I hung their, we hung their little tall pictures in that. Are you serious? Year. Yeah, just a couple months ago. Oh man, you know what I'm saying? I got pictures in my office, and I was able to to lead in baptizing the kids. And so, oh, you know man. what I'm saying? Like that vision you had. Hmm. I didn't even have kids yet. Gosh. But now their pictures are on that wall. Man, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. So like leading with that vision piece of it, and again maintaining. You said director of amazement, like not letting yourself grow complacent with what you do because it makes a yeah. difference. Yeah. And again, I feel like I have a, a bit of an, a, a cheat code in that sense of like, I really believe that what we get to do matters in this life and in the next. And so that sense of motivation really um, sticks with me. So that vision part is, is a huge one. Uh, the next one for me is leadership. You know, we've talked about the staffing end of it, but I've said it is my job to, you know, I wanted this world-class team. All right, I got to find them or I got to develop them. I got to either find, you know, I found Mike Kozlowski in, in Philadelphia and invited him down here. And he was already an incredible leader, but other leaders like, let's just say a Josh Bain, he was a college student at the time. And now Josh is one of the greatest young leaders that I know. He's, you know, in his early thirties with three kids and he's a game changer in and of himself. And so that leadership thing is, is a huge deal. Um, then the next one for me, we've talked a little bit about, but I, I use the term stewardship funding is probably how uh, uh, people in other arenas would use it. But I've said this, it's my job to make sure we're fund, funded to accomplish our mission. 
if I'm going to say we got to go do it, then I got to make sure that we have the resources to do it. And early on, that meant fundraising. And now it means continuing to build a sustainable um, financial model. And then the fifth thing for me has been um, always the term communication. And what I mean by that is, you know, now here we are in our like social media world or you're, you're, you know, making commercials or you're putting billboards up, you're handing out flyers or whatever you're doing. I've just said everything we ever communicate publicly, I need to own that. Not that like I need to be the one making the flyer, but I need to be the one that goes, this is how we communicate. This is our tone. And this is especially important in a church and maybe some other industry where you're doing something that is unlike the mainstream, right? So like for me to just say, for instance, we could get a big billboard and say, come to our church, Athens Church. Well, the unfortunate thing is 95% of the people that drive by that billboard, when they think church, they're not thinking about what I'm thinking about. So I've got to position that and communicate that in such a way that's like, hey, come experience something that'll be the best part of your kid's week, right? Oh, wow, that's interesting. I wonder what that's all about. Hey, we're doing, for instance, in, in June of this year, we're doing a four-part parenting series. Hey, we're going to help you in parenting for the next four weeks, free parenting training. All you got to do is show up. And so that communication now obviously has involved to all the social media platforms and whatnot, um, but it's it's my part to own that. So whether that's everything from sermons to whatever. So those are, those are the things that I felt like I got to own. Man, that's awesome. I feel like you should get your very own the entrepreneur adventure branded tracksuit for your performance today you know what have man those. i would be wide up when that comes on the market if you guys will keep me in mind <laughs> that would be awesome be a big logo on the back oh, yeah. i'll put athens i love you on it somewhere too yeah that would be, that awesome would be fantastic man that it's would like be a, fantastic like a tracksuit slash like nascar jacket yeah you can preach uh, it i can i can be yeah, on board with that see, <laughs> hey we're open to an entrepreneur adventure uh, sponsorship at Athens Church. You know, we'll talk to you about the rates and all that. So yeah, man, when people we'll come see. and get that Jerry Joe's coffee, can we just slap it like a little? We can we yeah. can do the little uh, the, the sleeve. Thing. Yeah, sleeve hundred oh, percent for like a hundred grand a year. We can get you all that worked <laughs> out. So good. I like we'll that. It Stewardship. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's got to fund this thing, right? Hey, and I don't know if so. this has ever been written yet, but we, me and Chad, talk about it often. Like Chad bought the book we were going to launch the podcast podcasting for dummies okay that's how yeah, we yeah. Started. yeah so maybe church fundraising for dummies may be the Man, sean says I, I, first, I, first I, book I, you know i think there's probably a market for it for sure <laughs> man i appreciate you being on with us today again it, it, i've said it three four times but you really we could have a whole series on just the experience in starting athens church and leading it and growing it but i want to ask you one final question yeah what do you see as the vision in the future? Because again, vision has to be rec- recalibrated as you get closer sure. to what you know. The different benchmarks we have the you know the our logo here that's a mountain range and it's got different peaks and then different valleys and you know you go from one to the next. So what do you see other than you mentioned like potentially like there may be a second location in the in the geographic community? Yeah, what's that next peak or summit on your journey? So here's something that's fascinating: is there is a sense in which the way we communicate mission. Um, vision, strategy, all that. All the, you can put their, your labels on all those different terms. Our mission is to lead people to grow, a growing relationship with Jesus. Our vision was to create a church that unchurch people love to attend. There is a sense in which we actually have accomplished our vision. Okay, We came to town to start a church that unchurched people would actually enjoy attending. And I just told you about 600 first-time guests. That's not any kids or teenagers or anything. That's just adults who came to the studio th- this year. Um, like that has happened, what we set out to do. 
But I think the beautiful part of our vision is, I said before that, there was a hundred plus thousand people who don't have a church that they go to. And every year, just the University of Georgia has 6,000 new people coming in. We know this. Put your home in the market right now and somebody's going to want to buy it, right? People are trying to get to this community. It's an incredible place to, to raise kids and whatnot. So we would say, uh, you know, our harsh desire is to continue to do more, to see even more impact. I mean, we think there's a lot of ways we can get better. Again, we haven't talked about this thing, Athens, I Love You, which is a way we partner with nonprofit organizations in the city. I mean, we have been, I'm so humbled to even be able to say this, but we partner with some incredible places. We've given away over $2 million to nonprofit organizations in the last number of years in our city. So there's tons of more room for impact there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately for us, man, it's about how do we continue to help as many people as possible wake up knowing, man, God loves me. God is real. He wants to be a part of my life today. And, um, and he's offering something better, anything than this world has to offer. Man, that's so awesome. And to yeah. think, Chad. I inspired all this. Uh, it's, that's the thing I'm taking away from this. That's right. You know, is that little did I know Josh's role in this whole thing. So I learned something new about Josh every day. That's, 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 that's no lie. Coming up this Sunday at Athens Church, a lesson on humility. That's what we're going to talk right. about. That's right. I like it. Sean, thanks so much for being with us, man. We really appreciate your time and your leadership. And, and, and we're in the Athens community. We both attend Athens Church. The difference that your organization is making again two million dollars given away uh, not just not through athens church like we're, we're this is our thing we're doing just yeah. giving it away to existing nonprofits that are making a difference so mm. thanks so much man for all your organization does and for what you do to lead it and it's uh, really humbling thank you so much for having me on and appreciate you guys a bunch thanks if you're a fan of the entrepreneur adventure podcast we would love to hear about it you can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app you can subscribe to the podcast or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.